Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast for the sake of the child. My name is Tara Gleason. I'm a professional educator, curriculum developer, researcher, and now podcast producer for the Military Child Education Coalition. I'm also the spouse of an active duty service member and parent to three military kids. Joining me today is Kay McKinley, who has had 39 years experience as an educator in the United States, Europe, and Asia, and is the commissioned military family education liaison for the Interstate Compact on Education Opportunity for Military Children in Florida. Kay, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell our listeners a bit about your background and work, both with the Military Child Education Coalition and military children in general? Absolutely, and good morning, Tara. I've been a special education teacher, a general ed teacher, a staffing specialist for special education, the director of special education, an assistant superintendent, and a deputy superintendent. Currently, I'm the principal of a kindergarten through eighth grade public charter school. I'm also the Military Family Educational Liaison in the Florida Council of MIC3, as you stated. I was appointed by the governor about 10 years ago. In this role, I can assist military families as they seek assistance in placing their dependent military children in a Florida public school. I can help facilitate the smooth transition of records, enrollment questions or concerns, graduation requirements, which are many, and any questions that arise as you settle into your new school. Excellent. And every state has a, a MIC-3 commission. All the families on specific to their state. So thank you so much for your work for, with them. And families, you can reach out to your own state commissioner or the family liaison if you encounter any of those issues Kate just mentioned. So thank you so much. So we know that you wear many hats. Can you share about your personal connection to the military? Well, my personal collect, uh, connection to the military started as a military brat. I was born in the military, raised in the military, married into the military, and raised five children who are all or have been in the military, and some have spouses that are active duty as well. I have nine grandchildren who are all military connected. Since 9-11, my role as a grandparent changed drastically. Often in the dark of night, my husband and I would receive a phone call asking if we could take care of a grandchild or two as our son or daughters were being deployed. Several times, both the spouses were deployed at the same time, which, of course, meant we were the lucky grandparents once again. Currently, we have a sixth-grade grandson who's attending school with me in Florida due to the substandard school system where his mother is currently stationed. I love him to death, but I have to be on his case for doing his homework, turning in his homework, doing his homework, turning in his homework, and on and on and on. And I just can't be the doting grandmother at this point, but have to be the aggravating parent. So can you speak a little bit more to some of the difficulties that you've encountered as the grandparent 
who's also taking on some of those parental responsibilities that you just mentioned for one of your grandchildren? Sure. Several years ago, we were the go-to parenting plan for one of our granddaughters. And this time around, she would live with us for 13 months as both parents were deployed. I had become used to the shorter deployments, the four- to six-month deployments, and those weren't as uh, as scary as the 13 months. Um, I was very concerned about having a child for 13 months. I started worrying about the things that I would need take, to take on as a parent once again. For instance, that her parents missed two of her birthday parties because of 13 months. They missed her turning five and six, so we were responsible for birthday parties, Christmas, making sure Valentine's cards got to the school parties, Easter, Halloween costumes, Fourth of July fireworks, any type of play date she was going to have with her classmates, choir practice, Sunday school. As you can see, the, the list just goes on and on and on, and you forget about all of those things. But I must say, my husband Marv and I, we put our lives on hold for the 13 months just for Bailey, and it was the most enjoyable 13 months ever, and she certainly kept us young. I would venture to say that the takeaway from this experience is to just go with the flow. There is an end in sight. And so could you offer some suggestions to grandparents who may be stepping into that similar role that you and Marv played for your grandchildren? Yes. If you find yourself in the delightful position of being the parent again, I would heavily suggest you make sure that the sponsor provides you with several important items. First, make sure you have that power of attorney. Nowadays, the power of attorney is very specific about giving you power to make educational decisions, and that's very important if you have a child staying with you that has special needs when you go into um, IEP meetings, making decisions for evaluations and reviewing IEPs. You would definitely need that power and medical decisions and access to the base or the post. Uh, I believe you can also get the sponsor to uh, get ID cards for the little ones so that when you get, it makes getting on base or the post easier for you. Now, if your grandchild is of age to already have the military ID, make sure they bring it with them and make sure they have it with them every time you have to go to the clinic on base because nothing will get done for that child unless they have their military ID card. I had to take my grandson in for a shot a few weeks ago and he forgot his ID card. Imagine that. Well, lucky for him, they would not give him the shot without his ID card, but unlucky for me because I had to take off work again the next week to get him back to the base for the shot. Also, they're going to uh, just about everywhere you go on base, they want to know your sponsor's social security number or at least their last four. So make sure you get that information from your child or the sponsor of your grandchild. All of these items are usually on a pre-deployment checklist that your son or daughter has to complete. So remind them that you need as much information as possible to make this easy for all. Finally, I think it's very important. I'm, I'm very comfortable in the military and on military bases. However, I have encountered grandparents that don't even live near a military base or post, so they've never been on one. It's important that you find the nearest installation because that base or the post will offer a ton of resources for you during, your, during the deployment period. And if you've never had any experience with the military, 
the school liaison officer on base, and we call them the SLO, S-L-O, they can provide a great many resources. And they're usually located in the Family Readiness Center. You could, if you can't get on base, you can call the base and ask for the school liaison officer. Sometimes they will even meet you at the school, and they can help get your child transitioned into the new school. And some don't realize that they have a, a wide span. So even if you're not close to the installation, just call your closest installation, and everyone should have a slow. And they can help you even if you're outlying, even if you're not close right there. So I think that's a great resource to highlight to families. That, that's a point because so many, uh, you know, they're in areas where the bases aren't located and they don't even know a number to call. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell our listeners what you think the biggest transition challenge military families with children with exceptional needs encounter? I know you have some experience in this area. I do. Unfortunately, I have some personal experience, and it's not always the best. One of my grandchildren has an individual education plan for ADHD, and he's been in six schools in eight years. So he has a little bit of issues with attention. He came to stay with us a few years ago for a short period of time during a four-month deployment. And his IEP had just been changed from his original eligibility as other health impaired to one of emotionally handicapped. And the school did this because they needed to fit him into their, their mold. They needed to find a quiet area for him to go to several times a week to regroup with his schoolwork. And that was how they decided to do it, by changing his label so he could go into a classroom that offered services for emotionally handicapped children. However, there was no data, no testing, or paperwork to support that label. Now, that's extremely wrong in so many different ways. And unfortunately, his parents accepted this as they expected the professionals to know what was the right thing to do. So once I received the IEP, I was able to work with our school to change the label back to the original of other health impaired and provide the correct services for them. I've heard from his parents recently, and he's on the right track now and never even uses that timeout area to get his work done. I'm sure that this isn't the only time a school has done something like this for convenience for the school without considering the ramifications this could have on a child's future. As a parent of a special needs child, you have to work harder to make that transition smoother for your child. First and foremost, this is what I would suggest. Hand carry the IEP, the individual education plan, and all the testing that was used to place your child in special education. Now, if you moved as often as some of my own children moved, that's going to be a lot of records to carry. But I can tell you it is vital that you bring those records with you in your purse, your briefcase, a backpack, and hand those to the school. Even though it's not the official records, According to the Interstate Compact, the receiving school must accept those records, and then they have 10 days to ask for the official records. At least if you hand-carried the records, services can start as soon as possible. Also, because every state and actually every school district has a different way of implementing services, I would hand-carry a description of the program your child is in. For instance, if your child had a special ed teacher who would go into the classroom, say for 30 minutes to help in reading, I would make sure you jot that down so that you could share that with the school. Or if your child was pulled out 
to attend a 55-minute math class uh, in middle school with a special ed teacher. That's all good information for the receiving school. Now, I know the IEP has that information already on it, but every state has different IEP forms. And any information you can provide is going to help the new school. Trying to interpret the different uh, languages in an IEP can be daunting for some. Also, now that takes care of the IEP. I would also tell you we have a granddaughter who has an educational plan for gifted services. That also varies from state to state, so it's important to hand carry those records. And finally, I want to say that if you contact the installation nearest you, every installation has an exceptional family member program. And there is usually somebody there connected in the same office with the school liaison officer that can assist you in that state's process. So I would say do not be afraid to ask questions and ask for help. You want the new experience and the transition to be easy for your child who's already exhibiting difficulties, and you want to make that as smooth as possible. Yes, and, and definitely utilize those services that are available to you. Every branch of the service has an exceptional family member program. It might look a little different from installation to installation or actually from branch to branch, but those programs and services are there to help families. So I would mirror that as well to definitely take advantage of them. Um, some have a system navigator that can actually help even a little bit more in depth with those IEP issues. So definitely reach out to those EFMP programs, and I'll put a link in our show notes so that families can get more information about EFMP. So another great resource to families. Here at the For the Sake of the Child, we love to hear stories about military families. Kate, do you have a particular story you can share with all our listeners based on your experiences over the years that you'd like to share? There's tons of stories, but uh, I'll just narrow down to one for the sake of time. I just want to add that being a grandparent, acting as a parent, is probably the greatest joy we could ever experience. It's extremely taxing at times, and looking at the long road ahead can be so daunting, so we just take it in small spurts of time. But when Bailey lived with us for that 13 months, we, we had taken her to an Easter egg hunt, and when we came home, my husband happened to be walking by the bathroom, and there was Bailey standing at the sink, scrubbing her dirty Easter eggs with a toothbrush. And my husband immediately stepped in and told her that she should not be using her toothbrush to wash eggs with. Well, she got this huge grin on her face, and she looked up at him and said, Don't worry, Papa, I'm using Nana's toothbrush. Well, he thought that was funny. I didn't. But she said, You know, that's why my parents had me come live with you old people, so that I can make you happy. And you know, Tara, that makes it all worthwhile. And I share this story, which isn't particularly just a military story, but what it does show is that our military children are just like their peers in so many ways, with one huge acceptance. Our military children learn to adapt and overcome and move on. That is such a great point and one that we also share with families here at the Military Child Education Coalition. What a wonderful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Anything came up that we didn't share that you would like to? I just know it's so important, as we spoke earlier about hand-carrying records, not just the mm -hmm. IEP, but report cards, mm -hmm. immunization records. The immunization records are supposedly online, or uh, you can transfer them from one 
installation to another. However, there sometimes technology is not our best friend and there are hiccups along the way. So I would suggest that you get a hand copy of the, in, of the immunization records and the last physical. The last physical <laughs> is fairly important for some states require brand new students into that state to have a physical within the last six months. And if you're trying to transition as somebody who's never been on a base or exposed to the military clinic, I would suggest go ahead and get a physical from their previous school. You'll need those that physical anyway if they're wanting to play sports. So that would be a, another addition to the requirements of helping your child get to a new school. We have a workshop for parents called it's basically called transitions. We have one transitioning your student with exceptional needs and just one that talks to parents about transitions. And we say those same things. It's just one less thing to do. And in some states will require a special piece of paperwork. So we recommend that they look ahead to get that special form if they need to and have the child see their doctor that they're used to. And that's just one less thing to take care of on the other end. So that's that's another great suggestion. We have it in our we have an educational portfolio. So putting all those documents into those portfolio, then you can just hand it over is so helpful and that way you're not looking here and there, but that immunization record is on that checklist as well. Well, military oh. families are very good about keeping their records, especially for their children uh, in one location. With five kids, the first thing I wanted to do whenever we moved to a new location was to get my kids into school. And I made sure I had everything possible and even more than what I might need. But as a grandparent, especially if you've never been close to an installation, just trying to get onto the base to get, you know, to get into the clinic. You've got to find the clinic. You have to find which location, where you're going to go to get the records. It, it can be frustrating, and that's mm -hmm. the last thing we want for parents or grandparents to have to deal with when you get get your child into a school is frustration. You want it to be a good experience for everybody. Yeah, and that slow can help also know what the requirements are for the district because that does vary from location to location. We lived in some places that they had to have a dental vision and physical. And we had just come, and I was taken aback, but thankfully I had looked forward, and so we did take care of some of those needs before we even got to the new location because I thought, oh, my goodness. And you know under MIC-3 you can waive some things for 30 days, but it was nice to have some of those check marks off the checklist when you're already got so many things going on to know what, what you need to get them registered for school. Well, and if you, like you said, uh, the MIC-3, every state has one. In fact, um, in Florida, on our DOE website, I have provided a list, of, a checklist of things for sending schools and receiving schools. There's a ton of other resources we've added to the link. If you are, you would be wise as uh, a transitioning family, whether it's you're sending your children to grandparents or you're moving yourself, to look on the state DOE website, mm -hmm. and that way you can find all sorts of information military families, graduation requirements. Uh, there's just a, a wealth of information now that's online. We have families mm -hmm. uh, transitioning from overseas already checking, you know, our websites, uh, the school's website, the county website, the state. Easily accessible now. 
Absolutely. There's Department of Education website. So I'll try to find, I think I found a centralized link recently. So I'll try to put that in the show notes as well, because I think that's really helpful. It, the slow is always great, but as a parent, sometimes you just, you want to be able to access that as well. And I think that's a great suggestion. So yeah, thanks so much. And thank you so much for talking with me today. We really appreciate all that you've done over the years to help us here at the MSEC. And that's been, I believe, over a decade now, um, if not longer. And military children and families in general, I think from what I know of you, that has become your life work. And we really appreciate your service as well. So thank you. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. And thank you to all our listeners. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org like the MSEC on Facebook, and also follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact military-connected children. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.